This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's podcast is going to feature the, some of the clubs that we have for students to participate in outside of the school day. Two of the clubs that we're going to be looking at today are Tabletop Gaming, ran by Dan DeMarcus, and Robotics, ran by Dr. Barry Lucas. We want to welcome to the podcast today Dan DeMarcus and uh, Barry Lucas. They both teach uh, Dan in our middle school as part of our upper school, and then Barry teaches in the upper school and teaches middle school and high school in the classes that they teach. But I wanted to get them on today to actually talk about not what they do during the school day, but about what they do um, outside of the school day, looking at our extracurriculars. And so the last couple podcasts we had, we, we talked about sports and we talked about the things that our kids that are, are leaning a little bit more athletic want to do and how that program is growing. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time also to look at um, things that go on after school that are not sports related. And both of you have done a couple different things after school and had kids involved in different ways. And so I wanted to welcome both of you first to the podcast. So thank you for joining, Dan. Thanks, thank for, you. Thanks for having us. Nice to be here. And um, as with all the other uh, podcasts we do, we want to give you guys a chance just to talk a little bit about how you got to CBA because both of you are on our faculty here. Um, so Dan, we'll start with you. Um, so you don't have to give like a, the whole, you know, list of things that happened in your life to get you to here. But <laughs> It's a long uh, list. Yeah. How did you uh, get to CBA? Yeah. So we, uh, we moved from Indiana, from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I had taught at a private school up there for about 15 years and that was right around the pandemic and we were definitely looking at um, trying to move south to a warmer climate and uh, happened to stumble upon CBA and we came down here in the middle of the pandemic and toured the school and absolutely fell in love with the school, the campus, and obviously um, the philosophy and the educational approach. So this is now my third year and uh, we love every every aspect of, of CBA. So we're yeah. happy to be down here. We obviously love uh, we love the water in Knoxville and the mountains, and uh, it's been a, it's been a great move. So, that's awesome. Yep. I remember you coming down for that interview because it was such a weird thing of trying to interview somebody in the middle of the pandemic, like you said. Of, of yeah. like, we're trying to work out like how you can get here, how you can walk around campus. Are there going to be people on campus? And I, th- I want to say whenever you walked around the first time that at least I was involved, there was nobody mm-hmm. here. It was only, just yeah, only Officer Holly and uh, Brad and I think Dr. Bruce. That yeah. was it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I don't think a lot of people were actually willing to travel a whole lot during that pandemic. So we just, yeah. you know, we put our masks, masks on and fi- found places to stay and made it down here. And we, we're glad we did. So and, and you've been a great addition to that eighth grade team. Thanks. I know that uh, in that eighth grade team, you teach both science and math. Correct. Um, there'll probably be a point that we, we just do an eighth grade special where you and, and Nicole can come in and talk about all the things that That'd you guys great. do. Um, as you've had to develop all of this eighth grade stuff that, that you now do through coming out of a pandemic and, and getting back to normal, it's been exciting to watch what you guys are doing there in the eighth grade and, and really solidifying that last year of middle school, transitioning into high school. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And Dr. Lucas, I know that we have uh, shared a little bit of this, but just for those that it's interesting, he ended with the water and the mountains and all of that in this area, which may be the thing that keeps you here. I don't know, but. That definitely one of the things that keeps me here. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, my path here obviously is a little less traditional than uh, than Mr. D's. Um, 
I, I spent several years in Oak Ridge uh, doing research uh, in an academic area, material science and engineering. Uh, spent um, the next several years in three different startups, some of which were more successful than others, <laughs> but all of which I learned a, a lot from. And five and a half years or so ago, when it came time for me to step away from my last startup, uh, I was looking for an opportunity to, you know, to pay it forward, uh, to try to, to, to sort of give to others what had been given to me over all those years. I was really fortunate to have some of the, the best mentors, advisors uh, that anybody could, could have. And the environment that I was given to learn in was simply remarkable. And I think the thing that, that excited me most about being here when I learned more about CBA is, is that learning model. Um, you know, the idea that it is okay to try and fail and learn and try again and maybe fail again and learn some more. But um, the education environment is, is really what keeps me here. And, um, and yeah, the lakes and the mountains and the rivers, they, they keep <laughs> me in the area. But, uh, but, but CBA and what goes on here every day and relationships with students, that's what, that's what brings me to work with a smile every day. Yeah. Well, and I, not that we've ever had this conversation, but I remember uh, looking at, I think it was an email that came first from you and there was a phone number and I remember uh, calling you I, just because, of, you know, these weird things solidify in your brain. Um, we had went to a CVS for something. My wife goes inside to get it. And I was sitting outside of CVS and I was like, I'm going to call this guy because it was it was a unique experience on an email of like, hey, I don't know if you have anything that I could do at CBA, but here's some <laughs> things that I've done. You know, like that's kind of the way I remember the email. That's pretty much it. And yeah. uh, Your so I in an email. Yeah. So I call I, I call you to say, like, tell me more about like what what you're thinking, you know, and and uh, it just see it fit perfectly i remember when we got off the phone i called miss bradley and was like hey i had the most interesting conversation that i need to uh I, we need to turn this into a position somehow and and we had some openings and and it fit and uh, we've not looked back uh, had a blast as you've helped develop the robotics program from I, I don't know what it was like the first time you visited campus but for somebody that comes on our campus now and they see your robotics lab that's not what you uh, got to, <laughs> got to see uh, when you came on campus and at the time when you came on campus was it the cottage so that we were my doing first some stuff? year I was actually in the lower school you building. were in okay yeah and um, so it was like that you know the classroom adjacent to Miss Vines the yep. other technology classroom then the second year it was the cottage and uh, we very quickly outgrew the cottage uh, and, you know, ripped up floorboards when we were taping stuff. To, I mean, it, it um, <laughs> but the, the lab is, it, it, it's just, um, the, the way that it has developed and, and evolved and, you know, the support that, you know, we've had to make that happen. And it, it's a place now where I, I love to bring people. I love for students to come hang out yeah. in there. I mean, it, it's truly just a wonderful facility. Well, it was fun trying to, to, to envision that. I know early on, you know, we had a lot of conversations of what does this need to look like and how can we do it, hopefully the right way, you know, and, and we, we toured a couple places. We went over to uh, the National Lab on a couple different to, uh, trips. 
can't remember how many you went over with us. I feel like I made more than one trip over there, but uh, and got a lot of different input. And it's always interesting when you're building a space like that to say, can like let's not just think about what we need to do right now, but what what can we do in the future if we have the space? Right. Um, and then what I see you do with the students every every time. Uh, that go in there it's pretty remarkable and and I think it's great one of our guys that we use uh here for services for our faculty every time he talks to me he asks what's going on in your lab and and he came the other day and and visited your when you said he was down there I was like that's hilarious because every time I have a conversation with him he's like so what is Dr. Lucas doing today (laughs) Uh, I visit at least two two times a week maybe just to get tools he's got every tool (laughs) your broken stuff yeah Yeah, anything that's broken yeah I either bring it down to to Dr. Lucas to fix or else yeah he's got all the tools all the tool uh Tool drawers are full, filled with everything. You well, need, I did so. go in there Friday. I took I took a tape measure because I had to measure something here on campus. I needed a big, long, you know, I needed to measure a whole the quad over there at the upper school. And I was like, if anybody has this, it's got to be Dr. Lucas. So I went in there, and I looked around for a little bit, and I didn't find it. I went to Mr. R. I said, where's Dr. Lucas? He said, well, he's up. I think you're doing B.E. or something. And he goes, well, I'll go down there with you. Surely both of us will be able to find this. <laughs> so we just went around and, like, went through your drawers in the lab and we it found it over on a rack you had it yeah. just sitting there it's all on, on a shelf yeah yeah really. i was like oh if i would have looked this direction you know you, you feel like it's one of those if it was a snake it would have bit me like three times probably but or if you just ask a middle school well they know where everything you know all my middle school kids that's that's the rack if right. you need anything it's on the rack so I, I hopefully put it back to where you didn't even notice that was the goal um but yeah, his lab is, is fantastic to walk around in just to see what the kids are doing. That, that's what I love doing is seeing. Um, I've talked to the go-kart kids a couple of times just to see what they're doing um, and the drone projects that are going on. It, it's a lot of fun and excitement. Um, but that's not what we want to focus on necessarily today. We want to talk about those extracurriculars. And so both of you have some very unique extracurriculars. Um, Dan, you've actually got a couple. We're, we're One of the ones we're going to talk about today is, is tabletop gaming. Right. Um, on on paperwork, though, I think in the office still, you're also a club sponsor for the Fish, fish Club. club. Uh, right. I don't know. Are you guys just fishing in, like, Pistol Creek out here? Is that- <laughs> no. No. So, <laughs> so the, the original club that I started was Fish Club, and that was last year. And it's because we had a lot of interest uh, in the eighth grade class. So a lot of the, a lot of the boys in that grade were, were into fishing. And, of course... I love fishing. I mean, I grew up fishing up in northern Michigan, and that's, again, one of the reasons why we moved down here, because we knew fishing was, was a, a, you know, a big aspect of Knoxville life. Um, so so I, I thought, well, you know what? There's enough interest amongst the eighth graders. If we did a fish club, then <clears throat> that would give them an opportunity, because they'd come in every day and talk about, um, you know, the fish they caught. They'd want to show me pictures. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, gosh, this would be a good way to, first of all, I guess being um, curious about, well, how do you fish down here in Knoxville compared to what I was used to up in northern Michigan? I thought, well, I could probably learn a lot from these kids because they've, they've fished these waters. So, so we started Fish Club, and it was essentially just bring in your gear, um, and it was towards the end of the year. So we didn't have the opportunity to get on the water. So we pretty much were just looking at each, you know, each other's t- um, tackle boxes and seeing what kind of lures we're using. Uh, and then we'd go out, you know, just in the parking lot over here and practice cat casting because there were That's some awesome. kids, some kids had no idea how to fish. They had never fished before in oh, their whole wow. life. So I, I'd get emails, you know, from parents saying, you know, what, 
what do they need? Do they need to bring in their own rods and reels? And, and of course I said, well, yeah, don't spend a lot of money on one, just as long as they have one that they can learn, for, learn from. And then most of the kids who were experienced fishermen, like they, they brought extras. And so that's how it originated. Now the ultimate goal was to eventually get out and find a, you know, find a good source of water. Pistol Creek, just too hard to fish off because it's not wide enough. There's not enough space to cast. Um, so it kind of started that way. And then, um, obviously this year I lost that high, the, the eighth grade group, they were in the high school. And so, so the club itself was just for a middle school club. Okay. So we kind of lost the leadership of, you know, the student body that liked to fish. Um, but it's a club that, that I still believe in. And in fact, I've been in contact with Alcoa, uh, schools has like an actual fish team. Yeah. So yeah. I, I know that guy. Um, and, and ultimately we'll, we'll bring it back probably here in the spring. You know, it's starting to look like it's warming up a little bit, but, That's right. uh, but yeah, we'll bring back fish club, um, and you know, yeah. hopefully get it to take off because there's definitely a lot of interest and it's a, you know, it's a great, uh, a great, the kids loved it. I mean, they were casting just, uh, sinkers out into the parking lot and, Wow. learning how to cast and reel and all that. And now, northern so. Michigan, Indiana, were you on, like, heated lakes? Were you doing ice fishing? Like no, that? we uh, – so I grew up in Cadillac, Michigan, and there there's two huge lakes in Cadillac, but we didn't live on the lake, so I never I never went out and did uh, ice fishing, but a lot of my friends did. But we, we lived further out in the country, and so we lived right down the road from a, a lake that I could just walk down to. Oh, nice. And so we would just, um, you know, either fish just off the shore um, – one of my friends had a paddle boat, and so I remember catching a, a huge pike just off the paddle boat, and I wasn't even yeah. fishing for a pike, and so you know I had to paddle it in and somehow figure out how to take it off the hook without gloves <laughs> or anything. So, but yeah, so I mean, fishing up up in Michigan definitely was, uh, uh, you know, it was a, it's how I fell in love with fishing, and now that we're down here, I mean, the the waterways around here have plenty of fish. I'm still trying to figure out though what what to use, and yeah. so that's again part of the part of the club and I've talked to Dr. Lucas about some of his friends who are um, pro anglers um, and they uh, I'm hoping that they they can come in and shed some light on you know what are the secrets to catching fish here in Knoxville so <laughs> well and it's funny you know going from one place to another my, my father-in-law is a big fisherman he loves fishing and and whenever uh, I first met him they were living in Illinois and so he would t- we'd go up there in the middle of the winter and he's like we're gonna go fishing tomorrow morning we're gonna you know buddy we're going to go out on this heated lake. You know, we'd go out wow. there on this lake, and, I mean, we're in sub-freezing temperatures, and the water is, you know, 70 degrees, you know, and it's the weirdest interaction mm-hmm. because the water is freezing on your line coming up out of the water and freezing the end of the pole. You dip it in the water, and everything melts off because it's so warm in the water, and they're wow. coming out of these, um, I guess, power plants and stuff, you know, so it's hot water that's yeah. coming in. these. Yeah. So the lake is like a steady temperature all year long. Fantastic. It was fascinating. Uh, if although, we had that, we could do fish gotta, club year-round. That's then. right. We could do it in the you winter. you got to figure out how to stay warm yeah. though, out there. But yeah. uh, that's a lot of fun. So the the current club, outside of fish club, that's kind of hanging out there, maybe bring yeah. it back this spring. Oh, yeah. It's not it's uh, not going to die yet. We, good. We'll bring it back. The the current one that you do is called Tabletop Gaming. Correct. Um, and, and really, this is one of those examples of how clubs start here. Um, you've given an example with Fish Club, but the tabletop gaming, I think, is, is another example of how do we figure out what clubs we're going to do. And, and, and I've tried to talk to sometimes parents about this and stuff of, like, if you want a club on campus, this is the pathway to go on. 
tabletop gaming would be an example of this. So kind of describe this for help everybody one understand what tabletop gaming is because they okay. might be thinking like Monopoly or or like right. Candyland, you know, or whatever. As as Barry said, he thought you were playing Candyland uh, <laughs> A little earlier. More complicated than Candyland. Uh, so what is tabletop gaming? Kind of how did that come about? Yeah. So so tabletop gaming club is really designed. Uh, after two main games, strate- strategy games. So that would be Warhammer, which there's a store uh, just exclusively Warhammer over in Turkey Creek, and that's all they sell are Warhammer models, and they offer tables um, so that people can bring in their uh, their games and play. Yeah. Um, and then Dungeons and Dragons uh, or D and D. And, of course, growing up, I didn't play either of these. I remember watching a D&D cartoon as a kid, and I had no idea it was even related to a strategy game. I just thought it was a cool cartoon on Saturday mornings. Um, <clears throat> but there was definitely enough interest uh, amongst the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, and my son included, um, is really into Warhammer. And so I thought, gosh, he really wants to play. He you know, needs to find other kids in the school that are interested in this. Um, and so I thought, well, let's start the club. And so Warhammer, just to talk about the difference between Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer, Warhammer is, is all about building models. So okay. each of the models represents, you know, a character or whatever in this kind of fictional world. And I'd say probably 50% of the time that kids spend playing Warhammer is all about building. And I built, you know, car models and jet mo- models as a kid. You know, you glue them together, you put the decals on, and that's pretty much what the Warhammer characters are. They're very detailed, and so you have to take all the little pieces apart, um, take them off like the, you know, the main piece that they come in, and then you've got to glue them all together, and then eventually you paint them. And so there's different paint schemes, and so, you know, the kids who play can get really creative with uh, what they want their characters to look like. Um, and so there's a lot of art involved. It's definitely, you know, when we talk about life skills, it's a life skill of patience um, because just watching my own son at home, he'll spend hours just on one, one person, like wow. one figure. Um, and so it's a hobby. It's definitely a hobby. And then once they have everything built, then, then it turns out to be a game kind of like Risk where you have your whole um, set of your whole army, uh, if you will, on the, on the table and you roll dice, it's basically a dice game, and the dice, you know, dictate how far they move. Um, and then they obviously battle, you know, much like Risk. And so again, that's based on dice and points. Um, so that's Warhammer, and there's a huge, I mean, I had no idea how big the Warhammer community was in the world, I guess. I mean, it's, yeah. it started out in Europe, but I mean, it's every main main city, major city you go to, there's a Warhammer store. Okay. Um, there's, there's, outlets of Warhammer called uh, like CM Games here in yeah, yeah. Maryville and in Knoxville the CM Games they carry all the Warhammer um, uh, game you know game sets uh, so you know kids could go to CM Games and, and get whatever they wanted but I wanted the club to be more of an opportunity for the kids to come in and if they wanted to build their models they could do that they didn't have to just come to the club to just play uh, because the games take a while I mean they you know we always thought growing up Monopoly took forever. I mean, yeah, these, absolutely. These Warhammer games can take up to twelve hours sometimes. Oh my goodness! Um, so, so yeah. So I knew when you know when we started the club that at least you know for the hour and a half or whatever after school that the kids could play games, but they also 
they yeah. also could have uh, brought their models to build or paint. And so the first few days of the club, we definitely had a, a good amount of students that came and learned just about how to build the models um, and then how to paint them because there's a lot of technique in painting. And um, I mean, I've seen that in my own son, just how if you look at the very first figure he painted, it looked like a sixth grader painted it. Right, right. But now, I mean, he's he's worked so hard on them and he's done so many different paintings that he, you know, now he's painted guys that look as good as, as an adult would paint. Um, and then the other side of the, so that's the Warhammer side. And then on the other side is Dungeons and Dragons, which again, I didn't know anything about. Um, but that is more of like a role playing uh, strategy game. You don't need any figures or guys. Um, it's just, you know, a lot of creativity, um, storytelling, and then kind of responding to uh, the storyteller um, yeah. in a strategic game. So, but it's been a good a good mix of uh, two games that I think have some similarities. Um, and and usually, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons community uh, knows about the Warhammer community, and and the goal of the club was just to kind of get. Uh, both of those two communities to kind of come together and, yeah. and learn about each game and appreciate both games and then give the kids the choice to play one or the other. So That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, so it's been great so far. Well, I know for me growing up, and I, I grew up in, in uh, southern West Virginia, uh, Dungeons and Dragons had a, had a different uh, kind of characterization uh, than I've learned as an adult. And some of that has been, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and some of these character games have actually – had some popularity because of shows like Big Bang Theory and, oh, yeah. and you know, where they've kind of made it something that like, hey, people actually do this and, and it's just, a, it's a game, it's fun, right. you know, there's a story, there's, you know, there's role playing, you know, some of that sort of thing that, uh, you know, it's got this whole other side to it that's not always, you know, that lesson of things you learn at one phase in your life might not be the truth. Yeah. And, uh, you know. <laughs> and like I said, I only knew it as a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it's just uh, I've learned a lot just observing the kids playing at the club. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they're both they're both great, great ways for the kids to interact with each other and learn. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd say I'm more of a Warhammer fan because I see how much of Warhammer itself is art um, and it's, you know, precision and building models and I mean I, I love that as a kid I love building car models and yeah. airplane models um, and it was one of the hobbies that I had and you know it's it's great when kids choose that kind of hobby today instead of video games because Absolutely. it's so much more um, you know it's just so much more creative and uh, gives them a, a great way to have you know an outlet and creativity and art so but, and I, we've talked a little bit about some of that model uh car building you know I, I built some of those did you you have a favorite that you look back at like oh, yeah. when i built this one it was yeah i remember one. well i remember my older brother building the trans am from i think it was Smokey and the bandit the one that had the, <laughs> the really cool firebird yeah. uh, hood ornament um or the hood hood yeah. decal and i remember that decal was so big that if it folded over at all, it would be ruined. And I think he ended up going through three or four different models oh, no. over. I mean, you know, this would have been back in the eighties and, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I actually loved, um, you know, I, gosh, I guess when I was in middle school, Top Gun, um, yeah. it was a huge movie for us. And so I got more into jet model building. And so I remember, um, I remember building an F 16 model and being so careful with the detail painting. Cause you know, you could have either, just built it and not done anything right, paint wise right. you just put the decals on but i remember trying to paint all the 
instrument cluster panels inside yeah. the cockpit like with precision detail but that was definitely my favorite one was the f-16 well my favorite one was a dodge viper which you know still to this day i mean you know if i had the cash flow to buy a dodge viper uh, it would yeah. be sitting out here in the parking lot uh, <laughs> i've been told that it's no good to ride on the roads that we travel because <laughs> you can't really press the gas so ever and for anybody that would want to join your club it is open to join it, it is, yeah. There's no tryout, so it's not like a sport. You don't have to prove that you're good at, at yeah. D&D or uh, Warhammer. It's Thursday currently. Um, uh, and obviously, I mean, you know, my own son is in the club and he plays sports, so there comes a time where some of these kids have to decide whether they're going to go to their sports practice or game or, or yeah. do the club. But we will uh, – it, it's open to anybody. Um, in fact, we've had some kids who just, you know, they've shown up. We've probably had – maybe seven or eight meetings so far. Um, and we've had some kids that show up just once um, because their schedule's, you know, not yeah. consistent. And they've, I think they've enjoyed it. Um, and then, of course, we've had kids that have been there for every single session. Um, so it's definitely, a, you know, come one, come all, and, and come when you can. Um, and don't feel, don't feel like you have to know anything about the games because all the kids that are there, they will teach you. Um, yeah. They'll teach you how to do it. This has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. This has been a part one of a two-part interview with Dan DeMarcus and Barry Lucas, focusing on the clubs that they offer students outside of our regular school day. We hope that you join us next week to hear part two. If you'd like to find out more about Clayton Bradley Academy, you can visit us on our website, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org, or you can see us on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope that you have a great day.